Hello everyone, Al here, back with another episode in the series I was doing on legendary weapons from around the world. Now this episode we're going to be discussing India, and I have to admit this one was a little different and a bit more challenging than a lot of my other legendary weapons episodes, and that's because when I first started doing this series, I wanted to focus on weapons that were associated with various heroes and mortals. And as I mentioned in uh, the first episode, some of the weapons that I would be discussing have real-life equivalents. So these are weapons that are believed to either be the original or they're a replica of the original. Now, India was a little bit different because when I was researching this episode... I really wasn't able to find much in the way of weapons that would be the equivalent to like Excalibur or some of the other weapons that I I talked about previously. A lot of the weapons that I I looked into actually had not only a divine origin, but they were also used by the gods. However, it seems that under certain circumstances these weapons could be used by mortals. So these weapons are called Astras. And of course, before we go on, the mispronunciation disclaimer is in full effect. I will probably not be properly pronouncing a lot of of the names today. Also, as far as with Hinduism... Now, uh, long-time listeners to the show, you know that I have mentioned that I have a degree in religious studies, but Hinduism is not a religion that I took any specific classes on. So while I am familiar with a lot of the major core beliefs of Hinduism, it's not something that I consider myself very knowledgeable in. So again, I might not have all of the details right here, so bear with me here. Now, the Hindu epics talk about these weapons, astras, which are spiritual weapons. And as I was reading about them, it made me think of the royal arms that Noctis gets in the game Final Fantasy XV. These are weapons that had been imbued with power by one of the Hindu deities. These weapons would need to be summoned by speaking a specific incantation. The spells you needed to summon an astra were passed down by a guru or teacher to a shishya or student. This was only done orally, and as far as I could tell, these spells were never written down, and it was only done after the guru felt confident in the student's character. However, summoning an astra could be a dangerous task. Sometimes, specific conditions had to be met in order to summon an astra, and if the terms required to summon the weapon were broken, the result could be fatal to the summoner. Now, an astra could take the form of just about any weapon, but it usually seems that they took the form of an arrow or some other projectile weapon. Now, these weapons were insanely powerful and modern Indians often compared them to the equivalent of nuclear weapons. One of the most powerful astras was the 
Brahman Shirsha. According to the Mahabharata, it blazes with terrible flames within a huge sphere of fire. Numerous peals of thunder were heard. Thousands of meteors fell, and all living creatures became terrified with great dread. The entire sky seemed to be filled with noise and assumed a terrible aspect with flames of fire. The whole earth with her mountains and waters and trees trembled. When it strikes an area, it will cause complete destruction and nothing will ever grow, not even a blade of grass, for the next 12 years. It will not rain for 12 years in that area, and everything including metal and earth becomes poisoned. So due to this power level, translating them into D&D can be tricky and should definitely be reserved for only the highest level campaigns. I think it is also important to keep in mind that after summoning an Astra, the player must understand that there are certain conditions that need to be met, and using the weapon for any other cause will have disastrous consequences. The first three weapons I'm going to discuss in detail come from the Mabarata, an epic Indian poem about a war between two cousins. This is one of the longest poems ever written. It consists of 200,000 verse lines, as well as several lengthy prose passages. It contains around 1.8 million words, making it 10 times longer than the Iliad and the Odyssey combined, and 4 times longer than the other major Hindu epic, the Ramayana. Now, the first weapon I'd like to talk about is called the Asi. This is the first weapon that was ever created, and it's generally described as a sword. A group of benevolent deities, known as the Divas, had approached Brahma to protest the evil rule of demons. Brahma responded by gathering various sacrificial objects and performed a sacred ceremony. During the sacrifice, a terrible creature sprang forth from the fire. It was blue in color, tall and slim, with sharp teeth. Upon its creation, meteors fell from the sky, the oceans churned, the earth shook, and trees fell. Because in Hinduism, when you make a weapon, you don't mess around. Brahma declared, The being I have created is Asi. It shall affect the destruction of the enemies of the gods and restore Dharma. The creature took the form of a glowing sword and was given to Vishnu. After changing hands several times, it came into the possession of a person named Manu. To draw a biblical comparison, he is like Adam and Noah rolled into one. He's the first man and also the survivor of a great flood. The weapon would change hands many times until coming into possession of a man named Drona, who used it in the Kirkestra War. It was said to make the user unconquerable. So, I think it is fair to give this weapon several powers. I would make it a Vorporal Sword plus 5 that also acts as a Ring of Protection and a Ring of Regeneration. I would also have it give the wielder a plus 3 to saving throws as well. 
The next weapon is called Gandiva, the bow of Arjuna. Arjuna was one of Drona's pupils and an accomplished archer. The bow was created by Brahma and eventually given to Arjuna by the fire god Agni. The god also bestowed upon Arjuna two quivers that never ran out of arrows. Now, in some ways, this bow reminds me of the bow of Odysseus, because if you've read uh, the Odyssey, you know that his bow was so powerful that no normal man could uh, actually pull it back. And if you go back many episodes, uh, my friend Chad and I, we did a movie review of a movie called Troy, The Odyssey, and they touch upon it in that movie. Now, this bow, though, not only would you need a great amount of strength to pull it back, it was said to be too heavy for most people to even lift. The weapon was strung with 108 bowstrings. When fired, it would release a bright flash of light and a thunderclap. The bow was also said to bestow confidence on the wielder. So I would stat this as a plus three longbow that adds the user's strength bonuses to attack and damage rolls. I would also have it that you need at least a strength of 17 just to pick this bow up. To actually use it, you need a strength of 18 or better. Now I would also give it another property and that anywhere the arrow lands, there's a thunderclap and a bright flash of light that can stun, deafen, and blind anyone in that area. So definitely a powerful weapon, though because of the effect of what happens wherever the arrow lands, you'd have to be very careful with where you're firing it. And the two quivers that go along with it, pretty self-explanatory. I mean, I would say each one looks like it has only a dozen arrows in it, but they never run out. The next couple weapons I'm going to be talking about come from another well-known Hindu epic called the Ramayana. The first weapon is called Chandrahas. The king Ravana is traveling in his chariot and he encounters a mountain in his path. Since his chariot can't travel over it, he ordered the mountain to move, but it stayed put. Ravana tried to lift the mountain, but couldn't, as it was the home of Lord Shiva, one of the main Hindu deities. Ravana realized his mistake and sung a hymn called Shiva Tandava Stotra. This hymn impressed Lord Shiva, who gave Ravana the sword as a gift. However, he warned the king never to use it for unjust purposes. However, since Ravana is the main villain in the Ramayana, he apparently didn't keep his promise to the god. Now, the story of the Ramayana exists in several different versions, but the epic focuses on an exiled prince named Rama. Ravana kidnaps Rama's wife, Sita, in hopes of making her leave Rama and marry him. However, Sita is loyal to Rama. 
Her husband assembles an army, and along with his brother Lakshmana and the monkey-like deity known as Hanuman, they set out to rescue her. Now, all I could find about the sword is that it was indestructible. One thing I did find interesting, though, is the name means something to the effect of moon smile or moon laughing. So, I would actually make the weapon's bonus linked to the phases of the moon. So, from waning crescent to waxing crescent, I would make it a plus one. It would be plus two from around first quarter to waxing gibbous, plus three from waxing gibbous to waning gibbous, and then back to plus two from waning gibbous to waning crescent before going back to plus one again. Now, since it is indestructible, of course it would be immune to the touch of a rust monster or similar effects. I would also allow it to ignore AC bonuses from armor, but bonuses from magic, dexterity, and skills would still apply. So if your opponent was wearing, let's say, chainmail plus one and no other bonuses from skills or dexterity, he would only get a plus one bonus, so his AC would just be nine. Again, because an indestructible sword like this should theoretically be able to slice through just about anything. The Ramayana also details the weapon that Rama used to kill Ravana. Now, I wasn't able to find the name, but it is described as an arrow that looks like a serpent. Here's how the weapon is described. Making it sacred by a special formula, as per the procedure specified in the scriptures, Rama, who was endowed with extraordinary strength, then fixed that arrow, which was the foremost among the three worlds, capable of removing the fear of Ikshwaku dynasty, taking away the glory of the enemies and bestowing joy to one's own self on his bow. While that excellent arrow was being fixed by Rama, all the beings were frightened and the earth trembled. That enraged Rama, stretching his bow well and with attentive mind, hurled that arrow which can tear off the vitals towards Ravana. That arrow, which was inviolable as thunderbolt hurled by the arms of Indra and irresistible as Yama, the lord of death, fell upon Ravana's chest. That arrow, released with great speed and which was capable of destroying the body, tore off the heart of that evil-minded Ravana. That arrow, which was capable of causing death to the body after taking away the life of Ravana and having been anointed with blood, penetrated the earth. Having lost his life, that king of demons, for his part, who was endowed with terrible swiftness and invested with great splendor, fell down from the chariot to the ground, like Ritra, the demon, when the later was struck down by the thunderbolt. So this particular arrow or astra I would have as basically an arrow of slain, specifically against entities like Ravana, which, as I recall in some versions of the story, say he was a Rakasha. So those are just some of the astras. A lot of these weapons were believed to cause vast devastation and were supposed to be capable of destroying an entire army. As I was writing this episode, 
I thought that these weapons would have interesting applications in large-scale battle scenarios. So that's a little something you might want to look into if you decide to incorporate these weapons into your campaign. Now, I also found it interesting that some Astras were designed specifically to counter other Astras. So it almost reminded me of playing a game of Magic the Gathering because, you know, there are certain cards in that game that are designed to counter other cards. For example, the Vayu Astra from the wind god Vayu could create a wind capable of wiping out an army, but it could be countered by Sailastra, which makes winds disappear. The Varna Astra was a weapon created by the water god Varuna. The Varuna Astra was a weapon created by the water god Varuna. Once unleashed, it released a flood. It was said to have been made to counter the Agnayastra, a weapon created by the fire god Agni. The flames created by that weapon could not be extinguished through any other means. However, the Varuna Astra could be countered by Indra's Vishoshana. The Vishoshana is known as the drying weapon, as it would cause large bodies of water to dry up. The Narayana Astra could create a shower of arrows, bringing to mind, at least for me, the last stand of the Spartans in the movie 300. However, this particular Astra could only be summoned once in your life. Summoning it a second time would cause it to rebound on the summoner's own army. Other Astras didn't kill opponents, but could still have useful effects. The Samohana was said to cause armies to fall into a trance-like state. The Mohini Astra could cause an army to mistake friend for foe, and the Praswapastra could set an army to sleep. The Brahmadanda was said to be the ultimate defensive astra. It could counter the effect of any other astra, even the all-powerful Brahmashirasha astra. But perhaps my favorite of the astras is the Parvada Astra, which causes a mountain to fall from the sky and land on the enemy, which for some reason reminds me of the occasional running gag from Monty Python's Flying Circus, where someone would have a 16-ton weight dropped on top of them. So there you have it, a look at some legendary weapons from Hinduism from India. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And I'm going to try to be a bit more consistent with my posts. I know I have been posting rather sporadically lately. Like I said, I'm going to try to get back onto a regular schedule. So thanks again for tuning in, everyone. And until next time, happy gaming. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.